I love to sit and look through those holy pages And read about the eternal rock of ages See all that God has done, the battles he has won The great prophecies unfold In every book from Genesis to Revelation I see his loving grace and this great salvation Brings courage to my soul, for I know he's in control. I believe every word is true. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious... It's time now for the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. So get your Bible, a pen, and your Bible study notebook as we journey through the truths of God's Word. And now with today's Timeless Truth, here's Pastor Walt. Luke's Gospel, chapter number 18. Luke's Gospel, chapter number 18. So far in this chapter, we've seen the parable and the parables in prayer, the prohibiting of the children, and the peril of riches. In the last two sections that we're going to deal with today, the predicting of Calvary and the physician for blindness. Now, as Jesus is walking along with all the people, I want you to note that it says, Then he took unto him, verse 31, the twelve, and said unto them. So do you get the picture? He's pulling the twelve aside because he's going to tell them something that he has been giving them bits and pieces of to let them know why they're doing what they're doing, but they don't get it. But when we get to the book of Acts, and the Spirit of God comes, all of these things that Jesus said now make sense to them, and those things that they put in their heart that they didn't get, God reveals it to them through the Spirit. And I will remind you, the Bible is very clear that the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth, teaches us all truth, and thank the Lord brings it back to our memory when we need it. So if you will study it, if you will get into it, the Spirit of God will guide you, and He will teach you And then at the moments that you need what you've learned, he will bring it back to your memory. So he said to them, behold, we go up to Jerusalem. Now, I want you to see clearly that that was what they've been doing all along. In fact, in John's gospel, when they were going to go back to raise Lazarus, you know, well, the Jews of late, they've sought to kill you and, you know, we shouldn't go. But if you're going to go, let's just go. We'll die too. I mean, he had a very pessimistic attitude. But it was this was the purpose of Jesus. He came born of a virgin in that humble place to grow up, to come to this last three years of ministry, three and a half years of ministry, for one purpose, Calvary. He was headed to Calvary to fulfill his Father's will. In fact, it was written in the Old Testament. For he says, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. Every single thing that was said. Now, if you, we don't have time to go through every one. Let's look at one of the big ones. Isaiah chapter number 52, verses 15 through the end of the chapter there, three verses, and Isaiah 53 where he talks about him growing up as a tender plant out of a dry ground. And he talks about his visage is so marred more than any man. It goes on and gives great details, gory details of the horror of this death that Christ would suffer. 
and he says, Surely he hath borne our griefs. He talks about all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone into his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He said, I'm going up, and I'm going to tell you what has been said that the prophets have said, and I'm going to tell you all the things that you should have already known because they were written of me. Now, when we come to this, it says also, concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. Concerning the Son of Man. We know that in the Gospel of Luke, Luke deals with Christ as the perfect Son, the perfect man. He is the Son, capital S, of man. He is God who became man. In the John's Gospel, he's the Son of God. See, he was 100% God, 100% man. He wasn't 50-50. It was 100-100. The God part always protecting the man part. The man part came to die. And so we see that he is the Son of Man. And all things that were written about him as the Son of Man, as the one who would go to the cross, as the one who could die, has all going to be accomplished shortly. You're going to see it. But then he goes a little further. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, verse 32. It's going to happen. He is going to be betrayed to the Gentile people and shall be mocked. See, the Jews had things they wanted to do. They wanted him crucified, but they had to go to the other, uh, to the, 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 the Roman government to do it because their law wouldn't allow them to crucify him. So they had to go to the Roman government and get someone in on it so they go to Pilate and so they go and sure enough mocked they would I mean he was mocked he was jeered at he was called hey who hits you prophesy they would blindfold him smack him who hits you prophesy you know he could have told them their names and everything but he didn't do it he kept quiet he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles and mocked and spitefully entreated he will be reproached he will be shamefully treated and spitted on, which is just, uh, in their culture, was a horrible thing to do to somebody. They're going to laugh at him. They're going to scoff at him. And they shall scourge him, verse number 33, and put him to death. And the third day he shall rise again. Now, you and I go, well, that sounds pretty plain because we know the gospel. But these have been walking with him. And verse 34 says it. And they understood none of these things. And his saying was hid from them. Neither knew they the things which were spoken. Even though it was there, the prophecies came that they would be mocked. And they're going to see this. They're going to see Jesus mocked. They're going to actually turn from him. And all men will, will go away. John will be looking. He's going to be spitefully entreated. That is to treat with such insolence and contempt to be so outraged as to, to treat shamefully and despitefully and disrespectfully. To spit upon, I told you, was a sign of just monstrous disrespect, gross insult. The scourge was to take a whip and those cat of nine tails and beat them. And Christ was beat with 39 of those. 40 was to kill a man. Jesus was to put to death at the cross and course we do know that he rose again and i'm so grateful but the bible made us it clear i'm the good shepherd the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep 
As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. This is all out of John's Gospel, chapter number 10, varying verses. It says, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I love this phrase. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. This is the one who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from the this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Galatians 1, 4. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself us for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Ephesians chapter number 5. Titus 2, 14. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. For Christ hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, 1 Peter 3.18, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live under righteousness, by whose stripe you are healed. These are all written by apostles who were there. Peter, who had denied him three times, wrote those last two verses. Isn't that amazing? Thank God, thank God for God. He will rise from the dead. And boy, I tell you, I love Acts chapter 1, verse number 3, who showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. Not one, not two, but many infallible, cannot be disputed proofs. Yeah, he gave them a prediction of Calvary, but unfortunately, they did not see, they did not understand those things that he said that it was hid from them and i i can see that this is uh, interesting because that word hid was it was made secret to them because god wanted them to have the facts but when the spirit of god came they would get the spirit and understanding and total comprehension of what it was all about now they keep on moving they've had their little roadside chat and it came to pass in verse number 36 that as he was come nigh unto Jericho, a certain man sat by the wayside begging. Now we come to this new section, the healing of blind Bartimaeus. Jesus is near Jericho, about to enter the city. He's on his way to Jerusalem, where he's going to die. He just predicted it. And he has got himself accomplished. He knows what he wants to do. He knows why he came. He's not letting anything detour him from making his appointment. But he's not opposed on the way to reaching out and being the Savior that he is. Thank God, no matter what's going on in your life, God's never too busy to deal with you. God's never too busy to say, hey, what's going on in your life? Let me help you. So we see here he was coming by and hearing the multitude pass by, he asked, this is the blind man, what it meant. And they told him, that Jesus of Nazareth passes by. Now, do you think he would have cried out if he didn't know something about Jesus? It would have been, he would have said, Jesus who? Who is Jesus? Why are all these people so uh, up, been up in arms about Jesus? What's that all about? But you know what? That's not what happened there. He, hearing the multitude pass by, asked what it meant, and they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passes by, and he cried, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He'd heard something. 
He'd heard something there because this was now something that he was going to cry out to. He felt like he had uh, a need. And by the way, man has great needs. In fact, when you take a look at Adam, the name Adam, man in need. He's in need of a savior. And Seth, the son, was the substitute. The blind man was as needful as could be. He needed his sight restored. He had been blind for who knows how long, as if it, you know, we don't know exactly. But we do know this. He has wanting to receive his sight. He wants to see. He was one who could not help himself. Therefore, he was poor. He had to beg because he was blind. So he sat by the wayside and he is begging. But then he hears the person that's coming by with all this tumult going on is Jesus. And he said, oh, I have a chance. I have hope. I have someone coming by that can help me. I'm glad when Jesus passes by that there is a wonderful, wonderful spirit that we can have when Jesus passes by our way. I'm saved. I have the Lord in me. But oh, there are times when I have been to church and Jesus passed by my way in that service. I mean, he did something extra special for me. And I'm glad I wasn't asleep when Jesus passed by. I'm glad when he came and said, hey, I got something for you. See, every ounce of hope, and I'm going to remind you over and over and over again, the term hope in the Bible, when you look it up, and we're in the New Testament, the hope Greek, you are looking at a word that has been changed from the uh, 1611 English and 1800 English to our English today. I hope so. Well, well, I hope that'll happen. But it used to be hope, meaning a confident expectation. I have my hope. And that's why songwriters of yesteryear wrote songs like, My hope is built. My confidence, my expectation is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. You see, this is the way we live. Hope, 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 a confident expectation. And this man had a hope. Jesus is passing by. Here's a blind man. He needs help. Here's a blind man who has no hope until he hears about Jesus of Nazareth. And he had heard reports about him, and evidently he believed that he was the consolation of Israel. And as soon as that verbiage hit his eardrums, as soon as it was ringing in him that Jesus of Nazareth is passing by, mm, the oh boy, I tell you, hallelujah, he cried, Jesus, thou son of David. See, he knew something about him. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Thou son of David. That's in Luke chapter 20 again. He said unto them, How say they that Christ is David's son? See, he had to be in the lineage of David in order to be in that royal line because they said can any good thing come out of Nazareth can any good thing they were trying to disparage Jesus but on his mother's side and on his father's side mother's side the the physical birth the father's side the legal adoption of Jesus we see they all come to David this man 
is the one that was to rule and will rule on the throne of David, and that's going to fulfill the Davidic covenant. Well, here's a man who sears him coming, and he begins to cry out, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. But as is always, when someone wants to reach out in faith, the devil doesn't like it. And so in verse number 39, we have these sad words, and they which went before rebuked him that he should hold his peace, colon. Then there's that little conjunction word, but we'll get to that in a minute. So those that were there scolded him. I mean, they got onto him. They rebuked him. The idea of the word rebuked is they straightly charged him. Just hold your peace. And the way that we would say today is, oh, come, shut up. You're, you're interfering. Stop talking. Don't, don't say another word. They rebuked him for speaking out. He, in faith, believed he had some hope coming his way, and everybody there wanted to take the hope away from him. My friend, that's really sad when the devil tries to reach in and snatch that seed. You remember that some seed fell by the wayside. Said, that's the seed that Satan gets. He's able to get hold of that seed and take it away. We can't allow that to happen. That's why when we're at church, we need to pray that God will minister to the lost people that are there and save them that day and remove all the demonic powers of hell away from our church. If everyone would come to church praying, there'd be absolutely no way the demons of hell could get on the property and that the flesh would be subdued. You'd be shocked at what kind of church service you could have when you're filled with the Spirit and you're praying in Jesus' name for God to show up and the devil to be dismissed. But they rebuked him. They straightly charged him that he should hold his peace. You just be quiet. But he cried so much the more. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. He is going to keep on keeping on. Well, all the man has to do is take what he knows and find his way to Jesus. And man, he took what he knew. And when he heard Jesus was coming, he wanted to speak up because he believed his hope would be in this one that was coming. Thank God. They that should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. Acts 17, 27. Seek the Lord in his strength and his face evermore. Psalm 105, 40, or verse 4. Seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness, seek meekness. It may be ye will be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. Zephaniah 2, 3, talking to the children there of Israel. But I'm glad you can seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. When you know the Lord is near, and he knew he was near, he knew Jesus was coming. He'd been told. He may have been uh, blind, but they told him who it was. He cried for mercy. He knew he could not save himself. Mercy is what he needed. And he turned to the right one because my Bible says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5. In the book of Psalms, verse chapter 6, verse 2 to 3, Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. My soul is also sore vexed. But thou, O Lord, how long? 
the lost can cry for mercy, the saved can cry for mercy. And I'm glad we can have that merciful God come to us. A lot of things. And I love the little phrase. And I'll just quote you one verse. It has a little uh, a word right before it. Let thy tender mercies come unto me that I may live. For thy law is my delight. Psalm 119, verse 77. So we find here an incredible verse. They went before him, rebuked him, but he cried out the more. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Shame to the crowd that's tried to silence him and stop him. Shame to the crowd that was trying to keep him. But he didn't let that stop him. He didn't let that knock him down. He cried the more. He would not quit. He would not be silenced. He was not going to turn to this. This crowd had done nothing for him. He sat by the wayside begging. That's how he was trying to get along in life. Nobody had helped him. So he's crying out to Jesus. Why would he be quiet for them when they have done absolutely nothing for him? So he's asking for mercy, and he's placed all of his hope in him. And I love it because the Bible says, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. And, of course, he goes on and says, Everyone that asketh, receiveth. He that uh, seeketh, findeth. And he that knocketh, it shall be opened unto him. That's a present tense. We stay in that order. Well, Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. Can you imagine that? <laughs> hey, come over here. He wants to see you. Get up. We'll lead you. He wants to see you. And he commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he asked him. Here comes the Lord. And I told you, the Lord loves to deal in questions. He loves to deal in questions. What wilt thou that I shall do unto to thee here it is here it is the blind man is there the questions asked what do you need you come to me for a reason you have something going on in your heart what wilt thou that I shall do unto you and he said Lord that I may receive my sight Lord, I just want to receive my sight. I know who you are. I believe in your power to heal. I want to be healed. Lord, I want to receive my sight. And Jesus saith unto him, Receive thy sight. Thy faith hath saved thee. See, he knew that this blind man had faith. He knew he had faith in him. He knew he knew him to be more than just a mere man. That's why he said, thou son of David and the son of man. You see, here it is. He believes to who he is. And because he believes on who he is, he comes and wants to be saved. And I'm glad that the Bible says, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Hebrews 7.25, he said, Thy faith has made thee whole. I think one of the things that we need to get hold of is that even as a saved person, we need to have our faith intact. And sometimes it gets, it gets rocked and our world gets rocked. But listen to this verse. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. This wise, a rich man, or blind man knew that without faith, he would never come. I mean, his hope, his confident expectation, his belief system, his faith is, this man can heal me. This man can help me. And so with faith, he pleased the Lord. But without faith, 
It's impossible to please him. If you're going to come to God, you've got to believe that he is. When I got saved, I believed who he is. I believed that he was a God. I believe he was the God. I believe he was the one who could send me to hell. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that I was a sinner. And I believe that I was going to hell. And I need to be saved. I need to be saved from my sins. That I need to place my faith in Jesus Christ, who was the one who took my sin debt on him. I believe. Commit thy way to the Lord. Trust also in him. He shall bring it to pass. And those great verses, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. And all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Trust in the Lord with everything you got. I mean, trust him. Have faith. And lean not unto thine own understanding. Quit trying to figure it out. Quit trying to understand it your way. Trust God in his way. Then trust you in the Lord forever. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. That's where we get our strength from. And boy, I tell you, Jesus said to him, Receive thy sight. Thy faith hath saved thee. Now listen to this. And immediately his sight was restored. He immediately received his sight. And followed him, glorifying God and all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. I wonder what that mocking crowd was doing then. I wonder what that crowd was doing that said, just be quiet. Quit shouting out. You have no business shouting out. Who do you think you are? And all of a sudden, he has Jesus call for him. And he comes and he receives his sight when he gets the question answered. I want to receive my sight. And immediately it's there because his faith saved him and the next thing you know he is following the Lord and the he is praising glorifying him and the people then saw it and they began to praise God too because praise is contagious and I'm telling you what's the truth John's gospel says my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me he got in and he followed see my pastor used to say when I was a teenage boy if it didn't change your life it didn't save your soul Therefore, if therefore, many man being Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away because all things are become new. So if it didn't change your life, didn't save your soul. Now, why in the world did the others start praising him? Because he was letting his light shine before them. That's why. And they, they saw what had happened to him, and they glorified the Father which was in heaven. Thank God. Thank God. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6.20, you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And I'm telling you, that rich man did that. He got on to praising. And we need to bring, according to Hebrews 13, 15, the, we need to bring him the sacrifice of praise. And we need to bring it to God continually, which is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. What a great, great, great ending to a man that had hope. And his hope saved him. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us to have hope, that confident expectation, not only in our salvation, but in our everyday living, growing, and learning, and going for you. May we do it with all of our heart, with all of our strength, and all of our might. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. This is Pastor Walton. Have a great week. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. This word, it thrills me through and through. I believe every word is true. Oh, I 
been listening to the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton, you can send all correspondence to tttbroadcasts at gmail.com. Tune in again next week for another Timeless Truth.